Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 38 of the 2020 podcast series, getting you ready for the NFL draft. Guess what? The draft is finally here. This is the final podcast before the draft, taking place 23rd through the 25th of April. Completely virtual draft. First time we've ever seen it. Yes, it's going to feel a lot like your online fantasy football draft. And let's face it, we're going to be using all types of different technology throughout the broadcast there for uh, the NFL Network, ESPN, ABC. You're going to see Zoom and Skype conversations, FaceTime. You know, and, and think about the war rooms. You know, normally you have guys at the facility. You've got your scouts. You've got your front office guys. You've got your coaches. Now you're going to have to work off of these different types of conversations, everyone dialing into VPN, things like that. What could go wrong, right? We've already seen some of the technical issues that they had when they, they performed their mock draft. So hopefully they'll have all of that under control and they'll have that really moving in the right direction so that we'll have a smooth draft. We'll see how everything plays out. I'm actually anxious to really see how this goes. Can't wait to see ESPN's 30 for 30 on how this whole virtual draft goes down. COVID-19 really has its its hand, uh, its imprint on everything that we do, all, you know, all walks of life, anything and everything, and why would the NFL draft be any different? So I'm really looking forward to getting into the draft, taking a look at what the draft is really going to play out. I mean, I can't believe the draft is finally here. We started these podcasts back in August, taking a look at who the players might be to really keep an eye out for and really getting ready for the college football season. And here we are, fast forward to April. It's here, man. It's right around the corner, you know, just a few hours and... Cincinnati will finally officially be on the clock. When you think about Joe Burrow and where he was to where he is now, we weren't talking about him at the beginning of the season. One of the most spectacular college football seasons for a quarterback in history. You you look at what he did, the, the completion percentage, the passing yards, the touchdowns, and the poise, the ice water in his veins. This was a guy, you watch the subtleties with his movements in the pocket. He was never rattled, kept his eyes down the field, And not only was he smooth in the pocket with the way that he was able to manipulate it, but then also throwing his receivers open, you know, understanding where to go with the football. And hey, guess what? All the the defensive players, linebackers and defensive backs, they've got their backs turned. I'm going to go ahead and pull the ball, take off and run and, and pick up some big yards. It's really remarkable. That's really part of what the, obviously the college football season and then the draft is all about. You know, these guys that really make a huge impact season to season. Then you've got guys who have just been consistent from day one. You know, Chase Young was a guy who burst onto the scene as a true freshman. Everybody knew who he was. He was making his presence felt. As a sophomore, filled in for, for Nick Bosa then Nick Bosa moves on to the NFL, and now it's his team. 21 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks. No doubt that this guy from day one, you know, you look at, at Tua coming to Alabama. Jalen Hurts is already there. He winds up taking the team to victory in the playoff against Georgia. National title game brightest lights of of them all this kid was not rattled and and since then you've seen the type of player that he's become Justin Herbert shows up at Oregon as a true freshman gets out there 
And, you know, really the rest is history. That's why these guys are our top 10 picks. Absolutely. So the last 37 podcasts, we've really done a lot of analysis on the players and team needs and things like that. This is really more so what we're going to look like, what the draft is going to look like going forward, actually on the 23rd, the 24th, and 25th. So I'm going to actually go through my mock draft, kind of what I anticipate ha- uh, happening, what I could see happening. And if I were in those war rooms, if I were uh, a GM or a scout, really what I would anticipate these teams doing because of because of those team needs, because of the analysis that we've done throughout these 37 podcasts leading up to right now. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick things off. We're not just going to talk about the first round. We're going to go pick by pick in the first round, but then we're going to take a look at each of the teams and really what their draft board looks like uh, from beginning to end, from round one through day two, uh, you know, rounds two and three, and then day number three, rounds four through seven. So we're going to take a look at that for all of the teams, but want to go ahead and just jump right into things. Let's take a look at this mock draft and really what this all looks like. It's gonna, it's on readyforthedraft.com. You can go on there. You can take a look at, at my analysis of the first round. You can see all seven rounds that I've put together as well. So Cincinnati will be officially on the clock. They've been on the clock for quite some time. Zach Taylor needs his quarterback of the future. We know that this pick is going to be Joe Burrow. 6'4", 216 pounds. And, you know, the Heisman Trophy, you know, he, he swept all the postseason awards and the Heisman Trophy landslide victory, record-setting landslide victory. Um, and, and what he did, you know, not only winning all the postseason awards, but then he caps it off by leading LSU to a national title. And Clemson, look, early on, Clemson was getting to him, pressuring him, and it, it never bothered him. It never rattled him. And he was confident. He said, you know what? We knew that this was going to happen, and we knew at the end of the day that we were going to go ahead and win this football game, and that's exactly what they did. This kid is, is supremely confident. He's going in there, Cincinnati, taking the quarterback number one overall. I remember when they took Carson Palmer over, number one overall. I really hope that Joe Burrow uh, can have some similar success there uh, at the next level. I just hope that he can stay healthy because this is a kid that I think um, his growth has jumped from from – one season to the next. You do worry about guys with just one year of success. You look at Mitchell Trubisky. Look at Akili Smith. You know, those are a couple of guys, just a couple of examples where, hey, they have one true year, and then after that, you know, they get to the NFL and they struggle. Joe Burrow, though, what he did, what he, you know, going down in history as one of the the best college football seasons for a quarterback ever. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with with the stats, kind of hard to argue with uh, the type of season that LSU had. And, uh, you know, obviously part of that can go to, to Joe Brady, who happens to actually be coaching in Carolina, interesting enough. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a fun pick. And, and, look, Zach Taylor, he comes from the Sean McVay school. And... You saw what Sean McVay was able to do with Jared Goff. I'm really excited to see what Zach Taylor can do with Joe Burrow. Which leads us to number two, Washington Redskins. Ron Rivera in Washington. He's got Jack Del Rio as his defensive coordinator. Could this pick be anybody other than Chase Young? No way. There's no way that that's going to happen. Look, Chase Young, 6'5", 265. This guy's a game wrecker. Are you kidding me? 21 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks. You know, I hear people complaining about, look, after his two-game suspension, you know, and that suspension was for 
um, a loan that he that he received from a family friend so that his girlfriend could fly out to the Rose Bowl and a loan that he paid back in full, by the way. But after he came back in three games against Michigan and uh, against Wisconsin and then um, against Clemson, you know, they said, well, he didn't put up multi, you know, multiple, you know, didn't have multiple sacks, wasn't really getting to the quarterback. So, you know, his, his production really dropped off. Well, I, I would argue that that's not the case. You know, even in those games, he was affecting the play. This was a guy who you know, was beating tackles off the ball. He was driving his man into the backfield, uh, showing relentless effort. And that was the thing. He wasn't getting home and teams were really keying in on him after he came back, but he was still affecting the plays. You had to know where he was on the field at all times. Dominant player. I think when you look at Washington, what they have, they already have Montez Sweat, right? You know, rookie from a season ago, first rounder, seven sacks. Uh, look, they got a defensive end in Matt Ioannidis who actually led them in uh, in sacks with eight and a half. Ryan Kerrigan. Ryan Kerrigan hopefully will be 100%. Ryan Kerrigan has been the face of this defense. Uh, 120 straight games that he started before a concussion kept him out of the lineup. Calf injury put him on IR. He's 31 years of age. Will be an unrestricted free agent. You know, he did manage five and a half sacks, by the way, before he ended up going down to injury. If he can be healthy, you have him, you have Sweat, you have Chase Young. Gives you a little bit of versatility. I know Jack Del Rio is going to likely implement you know, a 34 defense, but this gives you some options, some things to play with, some, fe- some flexibility. If you wanted to go with uh, four down linemen, you could do that. You know, If you wanted to run you know, one of those hybrid teams, you can do that. Uh, with with the the personnel now and, and Washington, look, you know, if I'm Daniel Jones, if I'm Dak Prescott, if I'm a, if I'm Carson Wentz, after this pick is made official, you're on notice. Watch out, this is going to be a formidable group coming off the edge, which leads us to the Detroit Lions. This is really where the draft begins because we already know what's happening at one at number one and number two. Detroit Lions traded away Darius Slay. They bring in Desmond Trufant. Desmond Trufant has battled injuries. And, uh, you know, that's ultimately a big reason why Atlanta let him go. But he's a veteran. You know, he's a guy who, you know, he played well when he was healthy there with with the Falcons as well. Um, But they trade away a pro bowler, an all-pro in Darius Slay. And this has to be a corner, right? Has to be. When when you, you talk about, okay, you know, Damon Harrison... Pork chop. He was he was let go. Um, Ashawn Robinson now with the Rams. Could they go defensive tackle? It's entirely possible. Then there's Isaiah Simmons, the jack of all trades linebacker, a guy who has the versatility to play all over the field, not just that linebacker. He could play corner if you if you wanted to in a pinch. He could play safety over the top. You can line him up virtually anywhere, and he's going to succeed. But Getting that corner, getting a lockdown corner, I think that's really one of the things that Matt Patricia is going to focus on. They just picked up Jamie Collins in free agency. You have Jared Davis. You have Jelani Tavai from a season ago. You have Christian Jones at the linebacker position. You just brought in uh, Deron Harmon as well at the safety position. They did, you know, you look at the the corners. They 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 signed Daryl uh, Roberts, who started with the Jets. They have Justin Coleman, who's going to play in the in the slot, more than likely be their their nickel. Could there be, you know, is there a chance? Because they brought in in Danny Shelton at defensive tackle. Could there be a chance that 
Derek Brown plays alongside Danny Shelton. I mean, you figure Derek Brown's likely going to be a nose, so that's probably not going to happen. Look, let's not overthink it. Jeffrey Okuda is going to be this pick. 6'1", 200 pounds, a guy who um, blanket coverage there on the outside. Very patient. Very patient. Stays square to his man. Utilizes that sideline to his advantage. I look at Jeffrey Okuda, and I think he's a better prospect coming out of uh, of Ohio State than Denzel Ward, who went number four overall to Cleveland. We don't see corners come off the board number three overall very often. I think this makes a ton of sense, which then leads us to number four in the Giants. What in the world is Dave Gettleman going to do? A season ago, I said there's no way I'm going to put Daniel Jones number six to the Giants. I don't care if it actually happens. It's going to mess up my draft. I just can't do it. And good conscience, because I didn't think Daniel Jones was the guy that was going to be worthy of a number six overall pick. The year before, he takes Saquon Barkley, number two overall. People were saying, well, maybe he might go quarterback. There are other options. He was a smart guy. He went ahead and, and took Saquon Barkley there. So this pick really comes down to two players. Are you going to get star power on, on defense and go Isaiah Simmons? You, know, you, you got a guy who can cover tight ends. Alec Ogletree couldn't cover the tight ends or running backs to save his life. Isaiah Simmons will absolutely be able to do that. I believe he can cover guys in the slot. I believe that he can play up on the line of scrimmage. He can rush the passer if you want him to. He can play deep safety if you want him to. Ran a 4-3, 940 at 6'4 and 238 pounds. I mean, are you kidding me? This guy is the star power. that You can't get star power at the linebacker position if you're looking at, at bringing someone in on day two. But you can get an offensive tackle. You need a right tackle. Mike Remmers is gone. He's in in Kansas City. I think you're going to get an upgrade over him anyway coming into the season. Isaiah Wilson, Austin Jackson, they'll be available on day two. Do you go Isaiah Simmons? Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman, you know, I was reading online. I believe it was Bleacher Report put out that uh, the two of them, you know, agree that, you know, really what what leads things and what drives things is that offensive line. If that's the case, why not make a move to pick up arguably the best offensive tackle in the draft, Jedrick Wills out of Alabama, 6'4", 312 pounds, best pass sets in college football for guys not named Panay Sewell, who's going to be a top five pick in next year's draft. Write that down right now. I just, it's one of the, it's going to be a pick going back and forth. I have Jedrick Wills going here. And the reason being is, is specifically that. Offensive line, if that's going to be your mantra, that's really what you're looking for. That's what your board says. You're going to go tackle, you know, because offensive line drives things, you want to make sure that the offensive line is set and then you can address everything after that. Go ahead and get your tackle. Land the tackle now. Worry about everything else after that. You can find edge rushers. You can find guys, you know, some linebackers later on in the draft. They won't have the star power as Isaiah Simmons, but you know what? You can absolutely start protecting those investments with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So I think that'll be interesting to see really how all of this plays out. Miami, Bleacher Report, really, you know, this shook up my world. Bleacher Report comes out and says that Miami is looking to try to trade up to number three. You know, and that was one of the things that people were saying, oh yeah, trading up to number three, that could potentially happen and could potentially look to get an offensive tackle. 
But then they're talking about potentially keeping number five. We'll go ahead and give up 18 and 26 and not give up five and see if we can trade up to number three with, with the Lions. You know, I don't know if the Lions would actually uh, be willing to trade out of the top 10 knowing that they need to get a lockdown corner. Something to think about, though. I think what that really tells you is that Miami is on the market for an offensive tackle earlier than waiting around till number 18 or number 26 to take Josh Jones. Which means it reminds me of the 2017 draft when you had three receivers taken in the top 10. Corey Davis, number five overall. Mike Williams, number seven overall. And John Ross, number nine overall. Now the Titans, Chargers, and Bengals respectively, they knew that there was a big drop-off before the next wide receiver, which I believe was Curtis Samuel taken in round number two. So when you have that, you have that big drop, you're going to see players taken much higher because teams want to get that, you know, grab onto that as quickly as, as they can. I think we're going to see that with the tackle position. I think, you know, Miami talking about possibly trading up to number three, it's not to get a quarterback. I think it's to get an offensive tackle. They're targeting their guy and they want to get up ahead of the Giants to be able to do that. Giants, look, there is a drop-off. So that's why I think the Giants do go Jedrick Wills. I'm looking at Miami, and I don't know that they're going to be able to get um, up to number three. But sitting there at number five, I think they can still end up getting the tackle that they want. I still believe that Tua is going to Miami when it's all said and done. I think the Chargers are going to end up taking Justin Herbert either way. And if I'm the Dolphins, look, you passed on Drew Brees when he had the shoulder issues. There, you know, in San Diego, ends up in New Orleans, and we know what happened there. Miami, you can't make that same same mistake twice. Get your quarterback, get Tua, and the thing with it is, is the hip, hips checked out. We've had multiple doctors say that he's checked out. Miami even gave you know his their doctors gave him a passing grade on that hip. The biggest issue is is the durability concerns. You know, this is a guy I believe he broke a finger. Uh, he was sliding against Missouri and s- twisted his knee. Two high ankle springs that required the tightrope surgery, the, the new advanced surgery that they have, and then obviously the, the gruesome hip injury against Mississippi State. Two players landing on him as he was rolling outside the pocket. The biggest thing is, is most of these injuries, in fact, all of the injuries, were well outside the pocket. Does he need to do that? Keep him within the confines of the pocket a little bit there. You'll still be able to make those those movements, being able to slide in the pocket. He does that really well. If he can keep himself healthy, you know, Tua, you know, and, and look, you know, the thing with it too is, is he's got Ryan Fitzpatrick ahead of him, so he doesn't have to necessarily be the guy right away, um, which is good, you know, for his overall health because he's on, on his way to recovery and he'll be ready for training camp. And look, if he's not 100% ready to go, you have Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic uh, take the helm. And then when Tua's ready, Tua ends up taking over. I, I think Miami, you got to go quarterback there at number five. But I think what's going to end up happening, I have it, if you were to go to the website right now on readyforthedraft.com, I have Miami taking Andrew Thomas uh, at number 18. It's not going to be at 18. I think they're going to find a way to trade up and, and land their tackle. And when they do that, obviously, you know, uh, Andrew Thomas is going to be, is, in my opinion, is going to be that guy. And the thing with Andrew Thomas is he, he's a left tackle. You know, you look at Julian Davenport, who they got in the 
Laramie Tunsil trade, which actually got them one of their, their first round picks this year. Um, you, you look at it though, and I think Davenport is more of a swing tackle, a guy that's not going to be an everyday starter. And I think you have to get your left tackle. I think you have to make sure that you do that. And the thing with Tristan Wirfs and, um, you know, frankly, you know, Jedrick Wills as well. If you're trade, trying to get up to number three, I think they're still going to go after Andrew Thomas when it's all said and done because he's a left tackle. He has experience playing right tackle as well. But I think what you do have with him is a guy who is a three-year starter. He's powerful in the run game. And he's still getting better. He's developing as a pass protector, and I think he's still continuing to get better. If you watched him in the SEC championship against LSU, more than held his own against uh, Clavin Chason. You know, Chason beat him when he was able to get his, you know, get the hands off, you know, right away and, and turn the corner and bend around the edge. But when Thomas was able to get that, get his depth, you know, in his kick slide, he was able to control. Clavin Chase on his biggest thing is I think is he bends too much at the waist overextends and gets his weight over his toes and that's obviously you know, when you're talking about offensive linemen you know and they're standing upright a lot easier to move when you're upright when you're over your toes like that you're susceptible to getting off balance he likes to lean into his players a lot and that's going to get him in trouble at the next level I think you really have to focus on technique but given some of the you know the issues with his with his technique and the way that he's still developing as a pass protector, he's still pretty darn good, man. You know, he really protected Jake Fromm, blocked for for DeAndre Swift. I think Miami ends up finding a way to get both of these guys on the roster. So that's why I have him sitting there at number 18. They're not going to take him at number 18. Let's not let's not, you know, mess around there. Um I, I think, you know, ultimately Miami will find a way and those two guys will be in a dolphin uniform um come the 2020 season, which then leads us to the Chargers at number six, Justin Herbert, 6'6", 236 pounds, big, strong arm kid. Uh, I think that's ultimately the move that they're going to make. You know, Phillip Rivers is gone, Drew Brees, obviously before him. So you had two quarterbacks that this organization really knew since 2001. You know, and Phillip Rivers, look, what was really crazy, he started 224 game, regular season games, 235 if you count the playoffs, in a row since September 11th of 2006. So this is a program who's, you know, or an organization that's really used to having the face of a franchise and they hang around for a long time. Is Justin Herbert going to be that guy? I think he's big, has that strong arm, he's a leader, and... He still needs to work on those intermediate throws, the intermediate accuracy. I think that's one of the things that that's kind of hindered him a little bit. When I look at Justin Herbert, though, he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen, you know, the big kid, athletic, makes some throws that not many guys are going to be able to make uh, and can get outside the pocket and, and take off and run. Um, he does have some injury history as well um, in his first couple of years there. But look, you know, ran a four six eight forty at the combine. Again, big arm. A guy who does show some touch. You know, if you watched him in the Rose Bowl, show that he could put that 16-yard back shoulder throw away from the corner on the outside on one play and then hit the tight end on a wheel route, placing the ball over the outside shoulder on the next. This is a guy, look, he's got the skills. He's got the ability. He just needs to put everything together and be more consistent. And look, if he can do that, 
I think that Justin Herbert will have a long career in Los Angeles. And that's going to be, you know, for me, if I look at the Chargers, and you're talking about a fan base, trying to get people into the stadium. It's a soccer stadium for one right now. And uh, they're moving on from that soccer stadium to SoFi. SoFi Stadium, this big monstrosity, Stan Kroenke's you know, dream there uh, at the old Hollywood Park site in Inglewood. So they're playing there now with the Rams. Rams have the following. The Chargers, they weren't able to fill up that stadium with their own fans. I think you get a get a quarterback, get a guy that's known out on the pack, you know, in the Pac-12 on the West Coast. USC, UCLA still have a major foothold in LA sports and that LA sports scene. Justin Herbert is well known by the Southern California market. Bring him in. Have him be your quarterback. I think that makes a ton of sense. Number 7, Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule is in as the head coach. Uh, Temple, you know, rebuilt Temple, rebuilt the Baylor, Baylor Bears. I think he's looking to rebuild in Carolina as well. You've seen him draft guy or bring in guys in free agency from uh, Temple, and uh, he's brought in some of his coaching staff from Baylor, some continuity there. Um, Cam Newton's out, Teddy Bridgewater's in. Um, you know, they lost Gerald McCoy, Bruce Irvin. Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, they're all gone. So you can potentially see them going uh, Derek Brown up front. But uh, when you look at Luke Keekley and what he meant to that team, and you know AP Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, averaged 137 tackles, also racked up 18 interceptions, 12 and a half sacks, seven forced fumbles in, in his eight years with the Panthers, seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro. Versatility, range, production. Sounds like Isaiah Simmons, doesn't it? You know, I, I think Isaiah Simmons is a guy that you can really build your your defense around. You have to, right? And, and what I look at with Isaiah Simmons is a player who fills the stat sheet, plays in a lot of different areas, and it, it just it reminds me so much of Luke Keekley. And so I think that Isaiah Simmons, you put him there in Carolina, you can build the defense around him. And then go ahead and find some of your other pieces. You know, I think this is a, a pick. You know, if they stay put, Isaiah Simmons is off the board. I think Derek Brown has to be your guy. I think you need to get that that guy there uh, up front. But Isaiah Simmons, no brainer to me. Moving on to Arizona at number eight. I've heard some rumors that look, you know, you you, you traded for DeAndre Hopkins. You got a receiver that could be your number one. Now that you know, whenever Larry Larry Fitz calls it a career. But do you still go receiver? I mean, they drafted three receivers um, in, in the third and fourth round. I think uh, Keyshawn Johnson was a, was a sixth rounder, but uh, Andy Isabella went off in round number three. Hakeem Butler round number four. You have Christian Kirk on the roster. You also have Larry Fitz and DeAndre Hopkins. Do you go receiver again? Do you go CD Lamb? I know Kyler Murray would love to have him in there. But when you have three straight seasons with 50-plus sacks, you got to address the offensive line. Now, yes, some of those sacks, I understand, were on Kyler Murray. You know, and that's a rookie, you know, rookie mistake. But look, you know, you've got DJ Humphreys as your left tackle, finally played an entire season. He's back. Right tackle, you bring in, in uh, Marcus Gilbert. Marcus Gilbert, 32 years of age, brought in on a one-year deal, um, has some injury issues. Even if he does start the year at right tackle, I think if you draft a guy like Tristan Wirf, 6'5", 320, out of Iowa, 
the junior, has versatility to play both sides of tackle, but he can also kick inside to guard. Reminds you of, of Brandon Sheriff, what he was able to do there at Washington. Now, Sheriff was a top five pick, and I, I think Wirfs uh, is going to at least be a, a top 10 pick. Could potentially be the guy that goes to the Giants. Let's not rule that out. Uh, Wirfs you know, broke uh, Brandon Sheriff's record with the 450-pound hang clean that you can find online. Did it easily for three reps as well. I mean, that's one of the things I remember so vividly with Brandon Sheriff when he came out. Um, Wirfs, look, you know, 4'8", 540 at the combine, 36-inch vertical leap, broad jump of 10 feet, 1 inch, set records for offensive linemen in the athleticism. I, I think, you know, you're getting a, a technically sound blocker as well. That's really what you see with guys coming out of Iowa. Uh, to me, I, I think you have to protect your investment. You have to protect Kyler Murray. This is an athlete at the offensive tackle position. I think it makes total sense for Arizona here. If you want to go with a receiver, find another one, do that on day two. There's enough depth at this wide receiver position to be able to do that. Jaguars have two picks, number nine and number 20. I'm looking at the Jags, and at nine, uh, Marcel Darius was a cap casualty. Taven Bryan, Avery Jones, only defensive tackles currently on the roster with significant playing time from a season ago. If Derek Brooks is, or I'm sorry, Derek Brown is there, 6'5", 325, the big hulking uh, nose tackle for Auburn, you have to take him. You know, this is a guy who can affect the passer, you know, be an interior pass rusher from within uh, with his brute strength. Also shows some short area quickness as well. Can be quick off the ball. Power in his hands. So violent with his hands. I think that's one of the things that you absolutely see with, with Brown. Um, if Brown's not on the board, then the Jags really, you know, the, the question is, is anybody from those top, the first eight picks that I mentioned, if any of those guys are on the board, um, specifically at the skill position, um, I think the Jags have to perk up a little bit and potentially go after it. Like if Isaiah Simmons is there, I think you may have to jump on him. You know, you have to still find a way to replace Jalen Ramsey. If Jeffrey Okuda is somehow on the board, got to take him. You know, I think the only way that happens is if the Lions trade out of the top 10. Even then, Arizona then could potentially be in play for a corner. So you can see one play, one trade, one player moving down is going to affect the whole dynamic of this draft. And that's part of what is so fun about analyzing the draft and really going through the draft and and being a fan of the NFL draft is you really don't know how all of this is going to shake up and how this is going to play out. But I think Derek Brown, if he's not on the board, Javon Kinlaw then becomes, if you're going defensive tackle, you could also look for a receiver. You know, DJ Chark, 1,000-yard season a season ago. I think you can go Henry Ruggs. You can go CeeDee Lamb. Uh, even Jerry Judy there at, at 9. But I think you can, if you get your defensive tackle at 9, you can still get a receiver at 20. I've got them taking Justin Jefferson at number 20 overall. I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Justin Jefferson had a breakout breakout season uh, there with LSU among the top uh, in, uh, of, of all the receivers, you know, in the top five in receptions, receiving yards and touchdowns um, a lot quicker, a lot faster than everyone was expecting seeing him at the combine very savvy receiver can get vertical on you finds, you know, the, uh, the holes and voids and defenses on the under, underneath routes uh, knows how to get open. I think that's a nice pick for them um, as another receiver there for Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania in full effect in Jacksonville. Cleveland sitting there at number 10. Baker Mayfield needs help up front. Everyone wants to complain about Baker Mayfield. 
not hanging in the pocket. He's rolling left. He's rolling right. Man, all he had to do was just step up in the pocket. But when you've got two tackles that really aren't blocking for you off the edge, you get gun shy. Even when there's nobody there, you're looking to bail as quickly as you can. Solidify that offensive line. They went out and got Jack Conklin the first day of free agency. Now you got to get a left tackle. And Baker Mayfield played with big Orlando Brown Jr. at OU. I think they go with another big, big dude. Mekhi Becton out of Louisville, 6'7", 364. Look, this guy on the edge, you know, some of his blocks are just legendary. Just grabbing guys and throwing them. And, you know, D-cleaters. I mean, you, you name it. This guy is a beast on the outside. I think this makes a ton of sense. And if you're scoring at home, you know, that'd be three, potentially four offensive linemen in the top 10, which is going to be critical for teams like Tampa Bay. If Tampa Bay doesn't figure out a way to get into the top 10 ahead of some of these teams, then they're going to miss out on their tackle. If I'm Tampa Bay and I'm looking at this and it's becoming clear that we may not get one of the top four tackles, you could potentially draft Josh uh, Josh Jones. That's who I have them taking. I think there's nobody else at 14 that they can really go after. Tampa Bay could trade down and still get an offensive tackle. But if I were them, I'd pick up the phone and call Washington and see what, what we can do about potentially bringing in Trent Williams. Trent Williams is still sitting out there. And I think Washington would listen to a, to some trade offers. And if I'm Tampa, look, you got to protect. At some point, you got to protect Tom Brady. You've got all these weapons, but Tom Brady's not going to be effective if he's running for his life. And I, I think that's something that you could see potentially happening. But we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to 14. At number 11, the Jets. I think the Jets, this is really going to come down to two picks. It's either an offensive tackle or a receiver. I had them potentially taking a corner, um, but I think they can end up getting that corner on day day two. I thought C.J. Henderson possibly with Tremaine Johnson leaving, Daryl Roberts leaving. You know, They brought in Pierre Desir, but I think they still need that lockdown corner. I still wouldn't rule out C.J. Henderson, but if I'm Joe Douglas, I need to really address my offense. His offensive line, he's already been addressing it because he have Fan at left tackle, uh, Alex Lewis at left guard, Connor McGovern at center, Brian Winters at right guard. And look, Chuma Adoga, as a, as a rookie, had eight starts before finish, finishing the season at, uh, on IR. Could you go Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, Tristan Worse, if any of them were here? Sure. Absolutely you can. But I'm looking to find Sam Darnold a number one wideout. He hasn't had that yet, you know, in, in you know in New York. Yes, he had Robbie Anderson to throw the football to, but in my opinion, Robbie Anderson is not a number one wideout. Um, you know, I just don't see it. So I, I think this makes a ton of sense, you know, plus uh, you know, with Robbie Anderson and Demarius Thomas leaving, the Jets lost over 35% of their receiving yards and just about 32% of their touchdown productions from a season ago. You know, Quincy Anunwa is coming off of a serious neck injury. Jamison Crowder um, was the team's lead- leading receiver from a season ago. He's the only productive receiver from 2019. They brought in Josh Doxson, uh, hoping to resurrect his career after struggling in Washington and Minnesota. Brashad Perriman re- you know, resurrected his own career in Tampa but you still need that number one wideout. C.D. Lamb, look, he's not the explosive guy that uh, Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs is going to be. What you do have here is a guy who can make plays down the field, tremendous catch radius, and he's a beast, a load to bring down after the catch. Just put on that Texas tape. You know, I just I, I ask you to put on the Texas tape. Watch how he was able to dominate um, that secondary and, and get back to me on that. You know, K State. There are a lot of games that you could go. You know, go back to his playmaking ability. 
compare, you know, and, and along with you combine that with Sam Darnold, um, and suddenly that passing game looks a lot better, especially if some of those uh, complementary pieces that receiver, you know, pan out. Plus, you have Le'Veon Bell at running back, you know, so I think that that would bode well for the Jets to go ahead and get that number one wide out. Now the Raiders sitting there at number 12. What what, what in the world is Mike Mayock going to do? He and John Gruding sitting, sitting there at number 12. They need they need a receiver. They need a number one wide out. Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota there at the quarterback position. You think everything looks fine. Could they potentially surprise everyone and go with a quarterback? Either at 12 or 19. They got two picks in the in the first round. Do they take a chance if if either Tua or Justin Herbert is sitting there, do they go quarterback? At 19, do they potentially take Jordan Love? I think Jordan Love really right now is too green. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't see Mayock looking to do that. If he was around in round two, I think they, they start thinking about it. But this pick has to be a receiver, right? I mean, they, they do need a corner at some point. C.J. Henderson's going to be on the board. You could potentially get him there. And look, if, if Jerry Judy, if there's any truth to his knee and uh, his meniscus surgery that he had in 2018, um, you know, we, we saw that on, on Twitter. People were talking about this. And if there's any truth to that and he does end up sliding, he could potentially be available at 19. But look, get your receiver, get Jerry Judy. Let's not mess around with this. You know, Darren Waller was their number one wide out at tight end. And then two of their other top five uh, receivers were running backs, Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington, the latter of whom is not even on the team anymore. Your only receivers in the top five were Hunter Renfro and Ty- uh, Tyrell Williams. Now, look, you know, Tyrell Williams is a nice complimentary piece. Hunter Renfro is going to be your slot receiver. You need a number one. Let's not mess around. Jerry Judy, 2018 Blitnikoff Award winner, over 1,300 yards. As a junior, the volume catcher really allowed – the other receivers, you know, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddle to be those explosive playmakers. He just needs to cut out the the drops. Can we can we just easy drops? You know, you make some some other catches look effortless, but the easy drops, the lapses in conversation, uh, con- concentration, you gotta gotta cut that out. Stop it. Just don't do it anymore. That's really gonna be the biggest thing I think for them when it when it's all said and done. You know, if they can get all of that and address that, then I think they'll be in better shape because of it. So looking at things, ooh, I'm looking at the website. I need to get, I need to fix things a little bit. Um, looking at 13, San Francisco. San Francisco has number 13 overall, 31 overall. So they have two picks in round number one. What they don't have is another pick until round five. So what's San Francisco going to do? Are they going to keep both of these first round picks? I don't think so. Sitting there at 13, especially if there's an offensive lineman, if there's a receiver, if there's a quarterback, there are teams that may want to trade up into round number one. If I'm the Colts, if I'm Chris Ballard, I'm looking at this, and suddenly Tua or Justin Herbert falls. Maybe I want to want to go ahead and jump up to 13 and get them and offer up some of my other picks, some of my draft capital to San Francisco to be able to do that. You know, There are other teams that could potentially look to trade up. And look, if Miami wants Andrew Thomas and he's available at 13, they want to get up ahead of Tampa in order to get their offensive lineman, that could potentially happen. They've got some draft capital that they can end up, uh, they've got a ton of picks that they could end up giving to to San Francisco. You know, and, and so I think San Francisco, if they keep 13, you have to look at receiver and you have to look at corner. And I think you also have to look at defensive tackle. DeForest Buckner is gone. 
Um, signed that that uh, five-year deal worth $21 million a year, making him the second-highest-paid uh, defensive tackle to Aaron Donald. You need to get another D tackle in there. I think Javon Kinlaw makes a ton of sense. You add him to that group, and uh, you know you've got another interior presence there to go along with Nick Bosa and company. Um, receiver Henry Ruggs, you know, stretching the defense there with with Debo Samuel. Um, I think that makes a ton of sense as well. But at the corner position, you've got Richard Sherman, Akella Witherspoon, Emmanuel Mosley, Kwan Williams. All under contract just through 2020. Richard Sherman, 32 years of age, just three years removed from the Achilles rupture. Akella Witherspoon has been inconsistent and can't stay on the field. Emmanuel Mosley, look, he played well in the playoffs. Can he be reliable? And, and Kwan Williams is more of a uh, of a, a nickel or, or a slot corner. Um, you're going to need a lockdown corner at some point. I think you look at this group and. Honestly, I think C.J. C.J. Henderson could slide it and take over that starting spot from Akella Witherspoon. I think it's it, it can happen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Tampa at fourteen. You know, if, if they don't trade up to get one of the top four tackles, I have. Uh, if you look at my my website, I have you know all the different picks from January 29th all the way through April 14th, along with my latest and, and final mock draft. Um, but you look at it, I've got Tristan Wirfs. I've got Andrew Thomas. Uh, went back to Tristan Wirfs. But I think these guys, it's it's becoming increasingly clear that if you're not in the top 10 or 11 picks, you're probably not going to get one of the top four tackles. So if Tampa doesn't trade up, I think they may trade down and then you know trade down with the team that's looking to trade up to either get a quarterback, a receiver, somebody that's sitting there on the, on the board. Atlanta really wants to get... Uh, Javon Kinlaw or C.J. Henderson or Kalevin Chase on, they could potentially potentially look to trade up a couple of spots. You know, with Tampa, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. I think Josh Jones is a guy. Look, he can play. He's he's six five, three hundred nineteen pounds. Some people think he's going to play guard. I think he can be a tackle. One of the more complete. I'm not. I wouldn't say complete, but one of the more consistent offensive tackles in uh, in the draft. When you look at what he was able to do. Uh, in 1,282 pass-blocking snaps, according to Pro Football Focus, allowed just 18 pressures the entire year. 45 starts under his belt. You know, This is a guy who was a mainstay for the Houston Cougars up front. Effortless with his, his pass-blocking uh, pass ability. I think he, he still needs to work a little bit on uh, generating uh, movement in, in the running game. But I look at, at Houston, and look, he can end up playing left or right tackle. I think you've got some versatility there with, with Donovan Smith. I think Tampa's going to continue to look to upgrade their offensive line. Look, Tampa, you know, we talked about, about Trent Williams. I'm surprised Tom Brady hasn't actually been been in um, you know, Bruce Arians and Jason Light's ear saying, look, let's go after Trent Williams. Get me a left tackle. Uh, you've already gotten me a, a tight end and Rob Gronkowski traded away um, – a, uh, a fourth round pick ended up getting Gronk in a seventh round pick this year. Makes a ton of sense to me. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. I think Tampa has to get a, a an offensive tackle in round number one. I just, to me, I think the Dolphins have more draft capital to be able to trade up and get Andrew Thomas. So I, I think ultimately Tampa is going to end up being out of luck there. Trade down, better draft, um, you know, I think at that point, that's the right move. 
Um, getting Josh Jones, that actually makes more sense. I think that's actually a good pick. That's good value at that point. Better value later on in the draft. Uh, 15, Denver Broncos. I think that ultimately Denver is a team that could be, could be looking to trade up to get Henry Ruggs. And the reason being for me, the way I look at it is Drew Locke, when he was at Missouri, and I've said this time and time again, when Drew Locke was there at Missouri, he had a speedster on the outside by the name of Emmanuel Hall. And Emmanuel Hall, the big thing for him when he got vertical, um, all Locke had to do was drop the ball in, hit him in stride, and they had a lot of big plays, a lot of success. And that's really where, you know, that was his security blanket. That was his comfort zone. He doesn't have that in Denver. He has Cortland Sutton and is a tremendous weapon. He also has Noah Fant that can kind of be like his Albert Oebunum that he had there at, at Missouri, but he needs his Emmanuel Hall. And when Henry Ruggs is running a 4-2-7-40, that makes a ton of sense. Now, they also need to replace Chris Harris. They did get A.J. Boye in the trade from, from Jacksonville, so that may temper the need for that corner in round one. There is some depth to the position, so you could potentially see them trade down. I'm sorry, get, get a, a corner in round two. But uh, don't rule out C.J. Henderson here if he's on the board. Atlanta. What is Atlanta going to do at 16? Thomas Dimitrov, Dan Quinn. Are they looking to trade up? Are they looking to trade down? We've heard all this conversation about everything and what's going on. They've had issues getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, that's, that's really one of the things that you see. 28 total sacks tied them with the Lions and Seahawks for 29th in the league, only besting the Dolphins in that category. I mean, you know, really... Uh, they love these these athletes that are able to put pressure on the quarterback. Vic Beasley and Adrian Claiborne, though, combined for 12 of the team's sacks. Um, they're gone. You know, they did bring in Dante Fowler on the heels of a career year with the Rams, 11 and a half sacks. So, you know, Tack McKinley, though, there are questions about his play. Just 16 and a half sacks in his first three seasons. His future beyond 2020, I think, is in serious doubt. So do you bring in Kalev and Chase on? I think that makes some sense. Uh, C.J. Henderson at corner. You know, they had uh, 12 interceptions from a season ago, but only Desmond Trufant's four interceptions came from a cornerback, and Trufant's gone. You know, they have a lot of young guys, though, so I don't know that C.J. Henderson makes a ton of sense, but you get your number one lockdown corner and a guy that you can really build that secondary around. I think he and Isaiah Oliver would be a nice duo. But if you can get uh, Javon Kinlaw, the 6'5", 324-pound defensive tackle out of South Carolina, and you line him up there as an interior lineman that can get you know push the uh, push the pocket and put uh, pressure on the quarterback from within, I think you have to pull the trigger there. Which then means Dallas could get Kalevin Chase on. I've heard a lot of people saying that you know Xavier McKinney, that hey, Haha Clinton Dix is not going to be um, he's a, a one-year rental, and I would agree with that. I think he's only there for one year, one-year stopgap. But I think you can get a safety in round two to play with uh, Xavier Woods on the back end. I think ultimately what the Cowboys need to do is get a pass rusher. And I'm looking at Kalevin Chase on out of LSU. I think he's the guy that's going to be the pick there. 6'5", 250 pounds. A guy that can you know, bend around the edge. Makes a ton of sense to me. So 18 is where my Miami's picking. And uh, frankly, I think they're going to trade up you know, and uh, get Andrew Thomas. So I don't think they're going to be picking here at 18. Not really sure who's going to be sitting there at number 18, who's going to be making the picks. You know, that's part of the beauty of the draft. Um, really not really sure how all of this is going to shape up and how everything's going to look. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that next week in the post-draft edition of the Ready for the Draft podcast. 19, the Raiders. I mentioned that they could potentially get a corner. 
uh, at the, with this pick. And I think that's ultimately what they do. They could end up going Kenneth Murray. Um, you know, they did pick up, you know, some linebackers in free agency, re-signed uh, Kyle Wilbur and Nicholas Morrow. Bring in Murray, not going to be asked necessarily to, to play inside. He can play outside where I thought he was actually flourished there for, for the Sooners. Uh, when Caleb Kelly came back and was playing inside, Kenneth Murray got to run all over the field. I mean, it was ridiculous. But um, I, I look at the Raiders here, and uh, you know they finished with the most forty-yard plays, and you know sixty-eight plays of twenty-plus yards and thirty-three passes given up, uh, or passing touchdowns given up. Eight point three yards per reception were all fourth highest in the league. Um, you know, I, I look at it, I look at the corners, they tried to get Eli Apple, ultimately couldn't agree on a contract. I think they reunite Tray, uh, Trayvon Mullen with AJ Terrell. And, and, and look, I know what you're going to think, you know, AJ Terrell, you know, yes, you know, six one one ninety five. Uh, out of Clemson. The last time we saw him, he was getting abused by LSU. But look, one game does not define a career, especially when there are more ups than downs. I think, uh, you know, Mike Mayock and John Gruden, they love that Clemson Tiger pipeline. They had success with Cleveland Furl, Trayvon Mullen, and Hunter Renfro, all making impacts as rookies in last season's draft. I think you see that again. Jacksonville at 20, I mentioned they're taking Justin Jefferson. Um, I, I think there's a chance they can go defensive end. You know, I think they have to consider life after Yannick Ngakwe. A.J. Epinesa could potentially be a guy here. Kalevin Chason, if he falls. Yitor Gross Matos might be a bit of a reach, but it's always a possibility there as well. Um, you know, I, I think they could also go corner because you know all their corners right now are going to be season uh, free agents at season's end. So they could go corner there as well. But I think... Getting Justin Jefferson in here, you know, Marquise Lee was just released um, you know, after battling injuries the last two seasons. So Jefferson coming in here, pairing with uh, DJ Chark. I think Chris Conley is a nice complimentary receiver, as is D.D. Uh, D. Westbrook in the slot. That actually really solidifies that group for Gardner Minshew. Eagles. Eagles haven't taken a linebacker since 1979. Are they going to do it now? I don't know. I mean, they, they do need a receiver. You know, I, I think Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey battled injuries. Nelson Aguilar is no longer there. Do you go receiver? Justin Jefferson's not on the board. Do you go T, T. Higgins? Or do you go with the linebacker for the first time since 1979? I think you have to. The linebacker position there with the Eagles, who's the guy that's playing in the middle? Who's the guy that's going to really be the, the leader of that defense um, I think Kenneth Murray is going to be that guy. 6'2", 241 out of Oklahoma. I mentioned over 300 tackles in his career. Ran a 4'5", 240 at the combine, but supposedly online is post-combine workouts. He's running into the 4'4s. And if that's the case, um, this guy has the ability to play sideline to sideline. I think his gap integrity still needs work. Um, but I, I was uh, cautiously optimistic by his development in one year with uh, Sooner defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. You know, I thought that he was playing a lot better, seeing the plays a lot better, really able to fly around to the football. Gap integrity still, you know, he was over-aggressive, uh, missing the holes, and that's really where OU got gouged on the ground. If Kenneth Murray can shore that up, this dude could be a superstar. Minnesota sitting there at 22. They got the pick from Buffalo. They traded Stefan Diggs. They do need a corner because, look, frankly, they, they lost uh, Trey Waynes, Xavier Rhodes, and McKen- uh, Mackenzie Alexander, leaving Mike Hughes as the only 
top, you know, only corner, you know, of the top four corners left on the roster. They need a corner. They need a defensive end. Everson Griffin, no longer on the roster. Um, but you also need a receiver, in my opinion. I think, you know, you can end up getting some, some other guys and address those positions later on in the draft. You know, they have a pick at 25. Round two, you can also get your corner. Get your receiver now. Get T. Higgins, 6'4", 216 pounds out of Clemson. Look, um, you know, this is a guy... Pro Football Focus noted in 2019, targeted 23 times on deep balls, hauled in 15 of those for 565 yards. Proven downfield threat, can be a weapon in the red zone. Nice compliment to Adam Thielen as well. Takes over for Stephon Diggs. Um, If you look at that receiver core, they're in desperate need of another playmaker. I think that's going to be your guy. Patriots at 23, is this where where Jordan Love comes off the board? No. Jordan Love is not coming off the board at number 23 to the Patriots. Um, you know, he's still green. He's a guy that still is, is developing. And I don't see Bill Belichick using that 23 overall pick on him. What, what I think they are going to look for, um, I don't think they're going to go tight end. I don't think Cole Kmet is going to be that guy here. I think they can get a guy like Adam Troutman on day two as well. Um, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy, Danny Shelton. You know, much of the the 47 sacks that they had from a season ago, which was good for seventh in the league, by the way, came from those three players. They're all gone. Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy were big playmakers there for them at the linebacker position. I'm looking at Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, 6'2", 238. Yes, he had a, a drug test that was flagged uh, for being diluted. He said he was drinking a ton of water to try to add weight uh, when he hit the scales. So... I don't have any reason to not to believe what he's talking about there. I mean, a diluted sample. If you're drinking a ton of water, I guess that does make some sense. You know, this is a guy, look, 12 and a half sacks from a season ago. I think he's a guy that can get, you know, not only rush the passer off the edge, but he's more versatile than that. He can be an off ball linebacker guy that can drop into coverage. He can cover tight ends and linebacker tight ends and receivers. I'm sorry, tight ends and running backs. Uh, I think he can end up being a guy that is going to start there for a long time in uh, in New England. Moving on to the Saints, and the Saints are going to need a uh, a receiver to complement Michael Thomas. I think Emmanuel Sanders uh, bringing him in on the roster. I think his presence at least allows the Saints to consider other positions and not necessarily reach for a receiver at 24. I think there are a lot of guys. I think Brandon Ayuk could be here. I think you could have Denzel Mims come off the board here. I think Jalen Rager could come off the board right here. At the end of the day, I'm looking at inside linebacker. I think Patrick Queen is a guy that they could bring in and be happy with. Six foot, 229 pounds. He could play inside. He could play outside. And uh, when you have A.J. Klein moving on to Buffalo, Stephon Anthony's gone. Manti Teo's gone. You do have uh, all-pro linebacker. Uh, Demario Davis on the roster led the team with 111 tackles a season ago. He's back, and uh, Kiko Alonso re- restructured his deal. But both of those guys are ending the final years of their of of their contracts, so there's no guarantee they'll be back. You know, beyond this season, I'm looking at getting Patrick Queen in there. Look, if you watched LSU play, uh, even if you were trying to watch other guys, number eight always was making his presence felt. You know, he was lost at the beginning of the season, but man, this guy finished strong, ended up being the defensive player of the game in the national title game. I think Patrick Queen makes a lot of sense here. 25, I mentioned that the, the Vikings could end up taking a corner, but they could also take a safety. You know, Mary Kay Cabot of uh, Cleveland.com had said that uh, a trade's on the table for the free safety, Anthony Harris. And why not get 
the 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 most versatile safety in my opinion the best safety in this draft in Antoine Winfield the guy that can play in the box he can cover guys out of the slot be a slot corner he can play over the top at, at the safety position a ball hawk had seven interceptions from a season ago reliable tackler he's got great bloodlines and look his dad uh, was a uh, you know, played nine seasons in the purple and gold and uh, was a three time Pro Bowler Winfield five nine two oh three Worried about his long speed, but ran a 4-4-5-40 at the Combine, so don't worry about that. I actually really like that pick. you know. And I, I think you can still get a, a DN and a corner on day two, potentially get two corners. I think that's a pit, you know, one position that Miami, I'm sorry, Minnesota could double up. I said Miami because I'm looking at their number 26 overall pick. This is likely going to somebody else, but I think the Dolphins do need to find a running back. So... And this is probably where DeAndre Swift is going to come off the board. So if it's not to Miami, whoever ends up trading with Miami could potentially be on the on the lookout for a running back. And DeAndre Swift is the best running back in this draft. I personally have Jonathan Taylor as my number one running back. But when you're talking about the number one running back coming off the board, it's going to be DeAndre Swift. He's proven to be a, a receiver in the passing game. A guy back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Not a whole lot of wear on his legs either. He'll be able to come in and start right away if he does end up going to Miami somehow. Kalen Balaj, Miles Gaskin, the top turning, returning running backs. Uh, Jordan Howard on the roster, but he's going to be a complimentary back as well. Um, I think DeAndre Swift, look, 5'8", 212, ran a sub 4540 at the Combine. Like I said, best running back in, uh, or best, best chance for a running back to come off the board in round number one. 27, Seattle could go offensive tackle. I think they've got some issues there. They did bring in Brandon Shell and Cedric Abwehi to man that right tackle position. You know, I, I worry about uh, the long-term health for, for the left tackle, Dwayne Brown, 35 years of age, um, you know, only under contract to, through 2021. And uh, you know he has battled some injuries as he's gotten older. Could Ezra Cleveland come off the board here? Josh Jones, if the Tampa Bay passes on him, always possible. Um, Legion of Boom is no more. I think you could potentially see them looking for a corner or a safety as well. I think at the end of the day, this is going to be a pick that's going to be used on a defensive end. I think when you look at Jadavion Clowney, um, he may not be back, and I think you have to prepare for potential life without him. And uh, Bruce Irvin was already brought in. Pete Carroll, John John Schneider have to hope that he can duplicate the career that he's had in Carolina more so than what he did in a, in a Seahawk uniform. Epinesa, AJ Epinesa out of Iowa, 6'5, 275. This was a guy day one, shows up at Iowa, you know, more of a role player. In 2018, he was a guy that start that didn't even start. He played behind Anthony Nelson and Parker Hesse and still led the Big Ten in sacks with 10 and a half. Not the speed rusher by any means, ran a 50440 at the combine. Very disappointing. But you saw that on the game film. You saw a guy that was that was stiff. But you also saw a guy that had tremendous power. You had he had tremendous uh, technique. Uses his hands very well. Nonstop motor, always working, and a guy that can create a soft edge coming off uh, off the ball with that power, with that technique, and uh, you know a guy that still knows how to close out and close on the quarterback. I like that pick there. Twenty eight, the Ravens. I think if the Ravens sitting there, if they can get an inside linebacker, if Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray's on the board, I think they take him. And if you look at my my draft on readyforthedraft.com you'll see Kenneth Murray was basically pegged here just about every step of the way but with him off the board I think you have to look at replacing Marshall Yanda the perennial pro bowler at at offensive guard 
Yes, you know, I think inside backer is their number one need. You know, with pa- uh, Patrick Amwasser and Josh Bynes leaving, um, they have a huge hole there in the middle of their defense. But uh, you can potentially look look to find one of those guys on day two, unless they decide maybe we're going to trade up, potentially get ahead of Philly and and land him. If Philly ends up going receiver, then I think Kenneth Kenneth Murray ends up falling. And the Ravens could luck out and get him, but if Marshall Yanda, um, you know, eight-time Pro Bowler, as I said, um, you know, if you can't go Kenneth Murray, go Caesar Ruiz. And the reason being too is is Matt Skura up front. Look, last year of his deal, ugly leg injury cut his season short in Week Twelve. I think what you can have is is have Caesar Ruiz take over for Marshall Yanda. And then essentially slide over to the pivot when you know, Matt Skura, if he moves on or can't really you know, deal with uh, with the injury. Either way, you're getting uh, a guy up front that is going to address that uh, you know the interior line position and uh, is going to start right away. Cesar Ruiz, 6'3", 307, really the only interior lineman with a first-round grade. So I think that makes some sense there for Baltimore if they can't get Kenneth Murray. Sitting at number 29, the Tennessee Titans, I think you, know, you lose Jack... Jack Conklin, they said that, they, hey, we're fine. We, we re-signed Dennis, Dennis Kelly to really take over for that starting spot. He'll get the first crack at it. I think Dennis Kelly is, is known as much for catching passes than, than anything else. Um, we'll see if, if he's going to be able to be that guy to take over for, for Jack Conklin opposite Taylor Lewan. Um, Ezra Cleveland. Um, Austin Jackson, Isaiah, Isaiah Wilson, not going to rule them out. But I think at the end of the day, when you're looking for a pass rusher, um, it could go corner as well. Um, but I'm looking at this and, and I see, uh, you know, Harold Landry, nine sacks in 2019. Vic Beasley was signed to a one-year deal, but he's probably just a one-year rental as well. Mike Vrabel is going to look for a guy who could be a, another pass rusher, a guy that can be versatile, a guy that can rush off the edge, can also rush the passer from within. Anitra Gross Matos has uh, an 82-inch wingspan, guy is 6'5", uh, 266 pounds, a guy who is very versatile, plays all over the field. Um, I, I think this is a nice pick. Would be, you know, I think if Seattle doesn't take him at 27, I think the Titans you know, behoove them to address that pass rush position. And look, if you've got all three guys on the, on the roster there, that's also going to give Mike Vrabel some versatility, having all three of those guys out there, much like we talked about with Washington, uh, taking chase young with Kerrigan and Montez sweat on the roster, green Bay. They need to get a, a, a wide out for, uh, Aaron Rodgers, a team with, with Devonte Adams. Absolutely. I think that's a priority. There are a lot of receivers that are out there. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, LaVisca Chanel, their options. But I think they're going to go in a different direction. Baylor, Denzel Mims, 6'3", 207. 1,000-yard seasons in 2017 and 2019. And uh, a, a guy who, look, he, he showed off at the Combine, ran a 4'3", with his size. Um, a guy who not only can has a flair for the acrobatic, the body control along the sideline and in the back of the end zone, uh, red zone nightmare. He, he's also a tremendous blocker, and you saw that at the at the Senior Bowl. You know, moving Lavert Hill. I mean, I really felt bad for for the small corner out of Michigan. Uh, I think Denzel Mims makes a ton of sense here. Gives some versatility to that receiving core. Uh, Saint uh, the the San Francisco 49ers are sitting there at 31. I don't think this is going to be a pick that they're going to be using. Um, I actually have them penciled in to take Michael Michael Pittman Jr. here, get a receiver. Uh, I think this is going to be a pick in round number two. Um, and I, I made sure to spell that out on, on the website. Um, 
you know, they, if they stay here, could potentially be Jalen Rager, who's running in the four twos during his workouts. But Michael Pittman Jr. makes sense to go to San Francisco. You know, he can be that, that big, powerful receiver to go with a lot of these smaller guys. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis, Richie James, um, you know, led the Pac-12 in receiving, you know, over you know, 100 catches, 1,272 yards. And a guy who, you know, teams were looking to scheme to stop him. And that's saying something when you have a receiving core that also has Tyler Vaughn, Monroe St. Brown, Drake London. They didn't want to have happen to them what he did to to Utah. Ten receptions, 232 yards, and two touchdowns. 30-23 to 23 win. I was there. It was a Friday night game, September 20th, and Michael Pittman was a man among boys. Number six came to play. I think he'll look good in a San Francisco 49er uniform. And, you know, Garoppolo getting him... And Debo Samuel and George Kittle, I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. I just don't think it'll be on on day one. At some point, you know, before we get to, well, let's go ahead and round out things. Let's look at 32 and the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs could go one of three three, uh, directions. Frank Clark needs a running mate on the outside. They've got Chris Jones on the inside. Yitor Gross Matos could be a pick here. I think they could go corner easily, you know, with uh, uh, Jeff Gladney. I think that absolutely makes sense. The Cesar Ruiz is here. That's also going to be a guy. But I think Jeff Gladney is going to end up being your dude there at a, at a TCU. A ball hawk. Um, he's a little undersized. 5'10", 191 pounds. But ultra aggressive, ultra competitive guy. A guy that I think can play outside or inside. Um, can be versatile. I think he's going to take over for Kendall Fuller. Kind of a similar type player in my opinion. So I, as I was getting get back to the Indianapolis Colts. I think this is ultimately going to be where Jordan Love ends up. I think Chris Ballard's going to ultimately, he's not going to reach. He's already said that he's not going to reach for for his quarterback. But I think, you know, with Phillip Rivers there, he's on a one-year deal. Uh, Jacoby Reset in the last year of his contract as well. Look, Chris Ballard could be looking ahead to the 2021 draft, looking at at guys like like Tyler, uh, Tyler uh, I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence. You could also be looking at Justin Fields. But, um, you know, Jordan Love is sitting right there. I think you could potentially, you know, if you look at Miami, you know, if Miami ends up holding on to 18, trying to trade up there, either 18 or 26, potentially looking to trade up with the Raiders or with, uh, um, with the the Jaguars at 20, you know, look to try to trade up, you know, teams that have multiple draft picks as you get into the 20s. If Love continues to slide, you could potentially see quite a few teams here that look to trade down, uh, potentially trade out of round number one. And uh, they can secure their quarterback of the future. That's entirely possible. That's kind of what I see happening with with Indy is is they end up landing that that quarterback of the future in uh, in round one, and I think it'll end up being Jordan Love. So I said we were going to take a look at the at the teams and kind of look at their um, their draft boards. Go through this quickly. Uh, Cincinnati. And we're going to go in the order of a first-round pick. Cincinnati, I've got Joe Burrow, quarterback, in round one. They get a tackle, Austin Jackson, in round two. Adam Troutman mentioned he could potentially go to New England in round two, but ultimately I think they go uh, since he grabs him at the top of round three. Round four, they get a, a defensive end, Jonathan Greenard out of Florida, receiver, and James Prochet get that possession receiver. Um, you know, a guy who's a flair for the acrobatic as well. He's really fun to watch out of SMU. He could go a much higher in this draft had it not been for the draft class, the the uh, the depth of the draft class there at the receiver position. You need another running back. 
Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard, get Mike Warren, the truck out of Cincinnati, and then Michael Pinckney, a linebacker that can address and, and bulk up that linebacking core. They lost Nick Vigil. I think that could be a nice pick at the end of round uh, day three. Washington, Chase Young, obviously, the is going to be the pick there. If they don't trade in, you know, try to trade up into round number two, I think at round three, you can get a tackle like Matt Pert, the 6'7 tackle from uh, UConn. Round, th- round four, they don't have any round, I'm sorry, yeah, they don't have any other round three picks. So round four, they go corner. I think they go Troy Pride Jr., um, get a corner there, and then they go receiver um, and, and go Tyler Johnson, a big, big wide out there for, for Minnesota. Um, they need a tight end. I think Devin Asiasi in round number five t- from UCLA could be a pick. Um, you know, up front along the offensive line, they do have uh, Chase Roulette, um from Wyoming. Uh, they're at center. I think they could get a guy that can play both center and guard. Uh, Daryl Williams out of Mississippi State. Um, I think they still address the linebacker position in round seven. Get Cam Gill, a pass, big pass rusher out of Wagner. And then uh, J- uh, Justin Sternod out of uh, Wake Forest there in round seven as well. He's a, a, an intelligent player, battled some injuries there in 2019. I think that'd be a nice pickup for them in round seven. Detroit, Jeffrey Yakuda going off the board number you know, in the first round. I think Justin Matabuike um, shows off tremendous upper body strength. Also ran a sub 4 5 40. He'd be a guy to bring in at the top of round number two to take the place of, of Ashawn Robinson. Actually get a guy that can push the, you know, the pocket a little bit as a pass rusher. Uh, round three, you get a receiver in Donovan Peoples-Jones. Get a running back in Zach Moss. Uh, Peoples-Jones could be that, that bigger receiver and be more explosive. Be a nice compliment there to Kenny Galladay. Zach, Zach Moss really being a compliment for carry on Johnson, potentially be that, uh, you know, safety net in the event, carry on Johnson battles injuries again, round four, they go offensive line, Shane Lemieux, hard nosed guy out of Oregon round five, looking at the safety, Brandon Jones, um, you know, they, they need some help there at the safety position, I believe. And then getting in a, another tackle, get some depth. Trey, Trey Adams once thought of as a, a uh, first round pick and a lock battled knee and, and back injuries. You know, looks like he's lost a step. Falls to round number five. They get him there. The kid out of Washington. Round six, they get a quarterback to go with with Matthew Stafford and Nate Stanley. I, I think Nate Stanley is ultimately going to be a guy that's going to be the backup there. Um, you know, Chase Daniel. You know, the veteran in there right now. And then uh, they get a punter. You know, Alex Peckin out of uh, out of uh, out of Bucknell could be that guy in round seven for the Lions. Giants. Sure, Giants, you know, number four, Jedrick Wills, outside linebacker in round number two, get Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. He could be a first round pick. I just, I don't see him, you know, being, see a team utilizing a first round pick. I I just, I don't see him being that type of guy. I think he's a situational pass rusher, but I think he'd be a nice pick in round two. You have a safety in Kayvon Wallace that you can grab there. And then, uh, you know, Kendall Vildor, uh, a corner coming off the board in round number five Danny Pinter you get your your uh your center uh, they need they need to address the center position to Pinter out of Ball State uh, round seven Michael Dana from Michigan get another pass rusher Levante Taylor uh wasn't a bench of the line at a corner um you get Francis Bernard another linebacker play at you know inside linebacker there get a receiver Mr. Irrelevant could potentially be Lawrence Cager big uh long, uh, lengthy uh, wide out there from Georgia, uh, the transfer from Miami. Uh, speaking of Miami, we move on to the Dolphins. I got Tua. 
if it ends up happening, you got, uh, um, you know, Andrew Thomas and then DeAndre Swift. You know, that's kind of the way it's penciled in right now. A lot of these picks probably won't be with Miami when it's all said and done. I think they're going to go all in with those top two picks. Um, I think uh, Xavier McKinney in the second round makes a lot of sense to Miami in round two. They can get another offensive tackle in Isaiah Wilson. They need two tackles. You know, you can get uh, Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson and they'd be reunited from their days there at Georgia. Round three, get Cam Dantzler, get another corner to pair with uh, Xavier Howard and um, you know Byron Jones. Round four, get another defensive end, Nick Coe out of Auburn. Tight end, you know, Mike, uh, Mike Gesicki is your starter. Get another tight end in there, Cheyenne O'Grady. I think they need a nose tackle. Devon Godshaw is the only guy on the roster, really. Bravion Roy, one of my favorite guys, 6'1", 333 pounds out of Baylor. Uh, you got Josiah Scott. You know, get the, another corner, a guy that can play in the slot there, a 5'9 corner out of Michigan State, the junior. I think that makes a ton of sense. I've got a bunch of receivers coming off the board after that to them. Um, you know, and, and really, you know, Courtney Davis, Quez Watkins, Ben, uh, ben Victor um, coming off the board. I, I think they, they do need to address that receiver position um, at, at some point. So I, I kind of pick your poison. I don't think Miami's going to be holding on to all of those picks. And then the running back, uh, I thought it was more so what I was looking at when I put those guys there was more so Courtney Davis, Quez Watkins, Benjamin Victor, going to be late late six, early round seven guys. And so that's kind of more or less where I, why I have them going off the board there. And then Levante Bellamy, get another running back on the roster as well. Chargers, after Justin Herbert, you need to replace Melvin Gordon to team up with uh, Austin Eckler. You get Jonathan Taylor. Look, Jonathan Taylor, 968 touches in his career with the Badgers. You know, you put him with Eckler, you know, that actually saves those legs a little bit. You know, they need a tackle. You know, they brought in Brian Balaga. You can bring in Prince Tega Winogo from Auburn. He's a little bit raw. The hands don't always match the feet, but you get a tackle there. Wide receiver. You know, I, I think after Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, you need another receiver. You get Quintess Cephas there in round number four. You'll also get Isaiah Coulter from the, uh, from Rhode Island in round six. I, I think you know replacing Jatavis Brown at the linebacker position, get Davion Taylor, the speedster out of Colorado. And in round seven, Derek Watts gone. You can use it, utilize another tight end. Get Charlie Tamopeo out of Portland, uh, Portland State, a guy that can play the H-back, fullback, tight end. I think he'd be a versatile pick there. Be nice for the Chargers. Carolina, Isaiah Simmons going off the board in round number one. They get their cornerback, uh, Noah Igbenogany, in round two. A lot of people think he may go off the board in round one. I disagree. I think he's a round two guy. Uh, defensive end, James Lynch out of Baylor, reunited with his head coach there, Matt Rule. That's the guy that Matt Rule saw when he became head coach at Baylor. I think reuniting makes a lot of sense. They need another defensive end in that 34 defense that Phil Snow is going to be running. Round number four, linebacker Sean Bradley out of Temple, you know, notice another, you know, the relationship there. I think if I, Simmons is going to be an outside guy, I think, uh, you know, potentially inside. I think Sean Bradley has that versatility as well, that new age linebacker. Um, I think they look at the offensive line, get a center, Keith Ishmael out of San, uh, San Diego State, get a corner, another corner, a long corner, uh, Lamar Jackson from Nebraska, round six, round seven, get another defensive end, get Rondell Carter out of, uh, out of James Madison, a pass rusher, big personality, and a guy that can play off the edge. Arizona, if they go uh, Tristan Wirfs in round one, round two, I think, run, or round three, excuse me, because they don't have a second round pick, 
get a running back to team with Kenyon Drake, get A.J. Dillon, the big six foot, 247-pound running back. I think he's an ascending prospect. Keep an eye out for him. In round number four, Don, uh, Darnay Holmes, get a corner. Um, you already have you know Patrick Peterson. He needs help at the corner position. I think Darnay Holmes out of UCLA can be a nice pick there in round four. Uh, they get a defensive lineman in Jason Strobridge from uh, – from the Tar Heels, North Carolina. Round six, Miles Dorn, another North Carolina Tar Heel. Get a big safety and then address that corner position again. Neville Clark out of UCF. Um, long corner, pretty athletic. Round seven, you know, I think that'd be a nice pickup there. Jacksonville. You get Derek Brown in round one. You get John, uh, Justin Jefferson round one. Go with a corner. Christian Fulton, I think some of the off-field issues that he had uh, there early in his career at LSU, come back to bite him. He falls to round two. I think that'd be a great pick there for the Jags. And think about that. You can have Derek Brown, Justin Jefferson, and Chris Christian Fulton. I think that'd be an A draft right there to that point. Uh, Ashton Davis at safety could potentially take over for uh, Jared Davis. Or I'm sorry, Jared Wilson in round four. Get a tight end. You know they need a pass catching tight end. How about Hunter Bryan out of Washington? Um, linebacker position. I think they get another linebacker. Uh, Jacob Phillips from LSU round five, get Kevin Dotson, a big mauling guard from Louisiana in round five. Uh, they address the defensive end position, get Jonathan Garvin from, uh, from Miami round six, get, um, Reggie Robinson from, from Tulsa, you know, big six, one, 205 pounder with some good ball skills. I think they get delay Harding, another linebacker, um, you know, what I like with with Delay Harding is the 149 tackles from Illinois. You know, very productive player. And then in round seven, get another quarterback to to really provide some depth behind uh, Gardner Minshew. I think Josh Dobbs is the only other quarterback there on the roster. Bring in Tyler Huntley from Utah. Clemson. I'm sorry, Clemson. <laughs> I see CLE. I immediately think of Clemson. Um, that's uh, the Cleveland Browns. First, you're looking at Makai Becton. Round two, get a defensive tackle. Team with Larry Ogunjobi. I think you know Sheldon Richardson isn't going to be around there much longer. Ross Blacklock can be the guy there. Round three, you have three picks. Safety, Kyle Duggar. Linebacker, Logan Wilson. And offensive guard, Ben Bredesen. All could be day one starters. Uh, get a receiver in round four, KJ Hamler. The hands, he's not a natural pass catcher. He's a speedster, but I think he falls to round four, which would be a great pick there for Cleveland. Round six, get an offensive tackle. You know, they, you need tackles there. I think they go Terrence Steele. And then in round number seven, the defensive end, uh, James Smith-Williams. That'll provide some depth at the end position uh, behind Miles Garrett and company. Jets mentioned, you know, offensive tackle. They're going to potentially have the ability to get Ezra Cleveland sitting there in round number two, round three. I think they go uh, Curtis Weaver uh, from Boise state. Curtis Weaver could go a lot higher. Look, this is a guy over 30 sacks in his career at Boise state. I think he's underrated, uh, but he's not the best, you know, he's not the most you know, physically imposing athlete. So I think that's why he falls. Um, I don't agree with it, you know, but trying to pick things out here, I, I think he's a guy that des- is very well deserving of a, of a second round pick, but comes off the board in round three. They get a guard to eventually replace Brian Winters and Hate Mute. They get a tight end for, for Sam Darnold as well. They've got uh, Christopher Herndon, uh, but I think they get Albert Owe Boonham, ran a sub four, five forty speedster there at tight end round five, get another running back to go to team with Le'Veon Bell 
uh, Anthony McFarland, that scat back, a guy who, uh, you know, redshirt sophomore, he's a guy that can develop. They need a nose tackle. They have Steve McClendon there, but, you know, his future is in, you know, is in question after this year. So you have Benito Jones from Ole Miss, and then get a defensive end, outside linebacker guy, Bryce Huff, in round six as well, a guy who knows how to get after the quarterback for the Tigers. Uh, Raiders mentioned Judy and A.J. Terrell coming off the board in round one. Raiders don't have a pick until round three. I think they go Marcus Bailey at linebacker. Get another linebacker in there. He's a versatile guy. You get a mauler like Damian Lewis to eventually take over for Richie Incognito. Get another defensive end, a guy that can rush the passer with Cleveland Furl and Max Crosby, guys who combined for 14 and a half sacks a season ago. Get Alton Robinson, round four. Uh, get a running back to team with with Josh Jacobs and Keyshawn Vaughn from uh, from Vanderbilt. And then a corner in round five. Isang Bassey from Wake Forest. Feels a lot like a Mike Mayock type of guy. Over you know 40 pass breakups in his career. A guy that also is tremendously productive as a tackler. A cornerback who loves to tackle. That's, that's a guy that I think would be a, a Mike Mayock type of guy for sure. San Francisco, if they end up getting C.J. Henderson there at 13. Um, you know, potentially getting Michael Pittman Jr. as a wide receiver in round two. Um, they don't have any other picks until round five. I think they need to address the the interior of that line, either at center or guard. I think Nick Harris out of Washington makes sense. Get another tight end in there. Uh, Dalton Keene kind of reminds me of, of Foster Moreau, if you remember him from uh, last season at LSU. I think he's a guy that could potentially surprise and be that number two tight end uh, to take some pressure off George Kittle. Uh, round six, I think they go linebacker, go uh, Kalik Hudson, uh, and then... Uh, you know, with Khalil Davis, the defensive tackle there out of Nebraska in round number seven. Tampa Bay, um, I think if they end up going Josh Jones, offensive tackle, uh, running back, J.K. Dobbins, you know, the 2,000-yard rusher from a season ago with the Buckeyes, get him in round two, get a guard in round three, Jonah Jackson, also of Ohio State. Uh, quarterback of the future, Jacob Eason, you can get him in round number four, um, a big, strong-arm quarterback that Bruce Arian li- Arians likes. Maybe Tom Brady will actually let them go defense for once. Uh, they do have uh, Indomitian Sue and, and uh, William Golston. Get another defensive end, though. I think McTelvin Aguim from Arkansas could be that guy. And then they rounded it out with a couple of receivers. Gabriel Davis from UCF, big physical wideout. And then K.J. Osborne in round seven. You know, a guy who's a you know, consistent player there at Buffalo. Struggled with quarterback, you know, inept quarterback play uh, for the Hurricanes. Um, but a guy who I think can come in, ran a, a much faster 40 time than I think everyone was expecting, actually broke 4-5. Uh, Denver, uh, if you don't get a corner in round one and they go Henry Ruggs, they trade up to get him potentially. I think in round two you can get a corner, Travon Diggs, uh, linebacker Mark uh, Malik Harrison, center Tyler Beattis, and safety uh, Terrell Burgess. All could be potential day one starters there for, for Denver in round three, round four. Get a nose tackle. Lecky Fotu can team with Mike Purcell in the middle. Get another inside linebacker. You know, Shaquille Quarterman, Shaq Quarterman out of Miami, a guy that it was really, you know, he started every game of his career there at Miami. Kind of hard to believe he's he's no longer going to be there. Sixth round, you get a tackle. Alex Taylor out of South Carolina State, a guy that can develop. You know, Garrett Bowles, he might be on his uh He's got nine lives, it seems like, with all the the play, you know, inconsistent play that he's had. He might be on his last one and and potentially on his way out of of Denver. Uh, get a defensive end, Austin Edwards, out of uh, Ferris State, and then an outside linebacker, uh, Casey Tuhill. 
you know, who I think he'd be the, the pick right before um, Mr. Irrelevant. Atlanta, after taking Javon Kinlaw, uh, you can get a corner, get uh, Jalen Johnson in round number two, uh, bigger cornerback there from Utah. Round number three, get a defensive end. Alex Highsmith, the guy, look, you know, had double-digit tackles for loss. I think it was over 20 in uh, 2018. 2019 ends up with 15 sacks. I think he'd be a nice pick there. Look, you get defensive tackle, corner, and defensive end, and you may not even have to trade up to do that. Uh, get another wide receiver to team up with uh, with Ridley and, uh, and Julio. Uh, Devin Duvernay from Texas. Round seven, you could get another tight end. They got uh, Hayden Hurst. You can get potentially Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati there. Uh, moving on to, to Dallas, they've got the 17th overall pick. They take Kalevin Chase on. Round two, I mentioned they could get a safety. Get Jordan, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremy Chin out of South Carolina, or South, I'm sorry, let's start over. Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, 6'3", 221-pound safety. He's one of my top safeties in this year's draft. Round number three, get a tall corner, a big physical corner like uh, Michael Ojemudia out of Iowa. Uh, 6'1 corner, runs really well. He could potentially come off the board to the Raiders. Um, you know, and, and so Dallas needs to snatch him up if they can. Get a tight end in round four, Thaddeus Moss from LSU. Um, round uh, round five, um, I, I think you could potentially go with um, you know Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. Wide receiver, running back combo, you know, versatile player there for Dallas on offense. I think they end up going another tight end in uh, Colby Parkinson out of Stanford. You know, they really need to address that that's that tight end position now that Jason Witten is gone. They had to bring Jason Witten in because they didn't have tight ends on the roster. I think you really need to make it a priority to address that position. And then Aaron Parker, get another physical wide out. I think that really shores up that wide receiver core. Philly, if you get Kenneth Murray in round one. LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado, potentially coming off the board in round two. Get a receiver, get a corner, a slot corner, a Meek Robinson, uh, Robertson out of uh, Louisiana Tech. Ball skills for days. Round four, get a running back, Michael P. Ryan. Get a quarterback and Anthony Gordon from Washington State to, to back up Zach um, Carson Wentz. Get a safety, Julian Blackman. Round number five, you can get uh, you know Kenneth Kenny Willickis, get another defensive end, provide some depth there, and that uh, offensive line is going to need some depth as well. Uh, offensive tackle, offensive guard, uh, John Runyon out of Michigan, played tackle, left tackle at Michigan, probably going to kick inside to guard. Vikings, you go Higgins, you go Antoine Winfield, then you go corner in round number two, Damon Arnett out of Ohio State, big physical corner. Uh, round number three, get Lucas Niang. Uh, right tackle there out of TCU, potentially able to move Brian O'Neill to left tackle when Riley Reef is done there in Minnesota. Get a pass rusher as well, Jabari Zuniga, round four. Get a quarterback to back up uh, Kirk Cousins. I'm looking at Jake Fromm. You need another defensive tackle, uh, a guy that can p- push Shamar Steven for the starting job, uh, Robert Windsor, corner. I mentioned they were going to take more than one. They end up taking Dane Jackson from Pittsburgh, another guy with really good ball skills. Get a running back, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Jermichael Hasty could be that guy. Round seven, um, if you haven't seen Bryce Sturk from Montana State play, he kind of actually reminds me of, uh, of Brian Robison, uh, you know, a guy that played for a number of years in the purple and gold. And then an offensive tackle, offensive guard, a guy that can provide some depth up front, Colton McKivitz out of West Virginia. Patriots. 
take Zach Bond in round number one, move on to round number three, and get your tight end. I think Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. I think they may make a play for Adam Troutman in round two. Um, but sitting there at round three, they end up taking Bryson Hopkins. Quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Some people are saying he can come off the board in round two. I think the Patriots can end up being the team that could trade up and get him. Um, if not, they can sit there in round three and potentially get uh, Jalen Hurts there. Uh, round four, get a physical guard and, and Solomon Kinley. Uh, John Hightower used the pick from that they got from the Bucks. Get a speedster on the outside. Inside linebacker, Evan Weaver, fifth round. Uh, tackling machine. Uh, sixth round, get a defensive end, Tyler Clark. Provide some depth. Kenny Robinson out of West Virginia, a guy that played in the XFL with the St. Louis Battlehawks. He's a guy that could potentially end up coming off the board much sooner, potentially even be a day two pick. If he falls to round six, New England has to snatch him up. Get another outside linebacker in Carter Coughlin out of, out of Minnesota. Motor for days. And then Kyle Murphy, a guard out of Rhode Island. Um, you know, he played tackle there for the Rams. Very physical dude. You know, a guy that, uh, you know, just feels like a, um, a Bill Belichick guy. New Orleans, not many picks in this draft. I think if they go queen in, in round one, then round three, look for Lynn Bowden Jr., a versatile playmaker. They love those versatile guys there in New Orleans, obviously with uh, Taysom Hill on the roster. Round four, get a versatile route runner and, and Van Jefferson, a guy who knows how to get open. Backup running back, uh, Salvan Ahmed, get another weapon there for, for Drew Brees in the passing attack. And then corner, in round six, get A.J. Green out of Oklahoma State, a guy with some length and some decent ball skills. Seattle sitting there. Uh, at 27, they take A.J. Epinesa. Round two, mentioned they'd possibly take a safety. Go Grant Delpit out of LSU. You know, I, I think the inconsistencies uh, are going to turn some people off, and uh, I think he can be had in round two. Uh, defensive tackle to pair with Jaron Reed. I think you go Jordan Elliott out of, uh, out of Missouri. Uh, round number three talked about you know the the long term health of uh, of Dwayne Brown, thirty five years of age. Ben Barch out of uh, Little St. John's in Minnesota, um, Division three school. I think he could play guard or tackle, um, so I think that'd be a nice pick. Uh, round four, KJ Hill, a, a, a really good route runner there out of Ohio State, and then a guard, Calvin Throckmorton. Look. Pete Carroll has the ties to the Pac-12. I think Throckmorton could be that guy there. And then getting another bigger corner, get Chris Williamson from uh, from Minnesota, an ascending guy, you know, a guy who um, just continued to play better and better there with the Gophers. Baltimore, if they do miss out on on Kenneth Murray, they get Cesar Ruiz. A nice consolation prize is going to be Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech in round two. They also get a big physical guard and Robert uh, Robert Hunt from Louisiana. Played tackle there for the Raging Cajuns. He can be a guard uh, and start right away. Um, you know, he and, and Ruiz, that really kind of solidifies that, that interior of the line. Round three, go with, uh, with Raekwon Davis. Get a big physical receiver in Antonio Gandy-Golden from, uh, from Liberty. Uh, get a big physical safety to challenge Chuck Clark for the starting job. Antoine Brooks Jr. from Maryland. Uh, get another defensive end. I think that's an area that's they're, they're kind of thin at. Uh, Rashard Lawrence out of LSU. Inside linebacker. Mentioned they needed more than one. Willie Gay from Mississippi State Athletic. Has some off-field issues. Could potentially fall even further. Um, I look at an outside linebacker. I think they need to put pressure on the quarterback. Travis Gibson is a, an intriguing developmental prospect from Tulsa. And then in round number seven, I have Jawan Jennings 
another physical receiver there coming from Tennessee. He can come off the board much sooner, you know, in the fourth, fifth round range. Uh, I just couldn't really figure out the best fit for him, but uh, I, I like him going to Baltimore you know, to team with some of the speedsters and some of the other guys that they have there um, on the roster with the Ravens. Tennessee, if they go with Yitro Gross Matos, they get their corner in round two. They need a corner desperately, and Bryce Hall from Virginia can be that guy. They need a, a running back to team with Derrick Henry now that Deion Lewis has moved on. How about Eno Benjamin from Arizona State? They get a, a guard tackle guy in Hakeem uh, Adeniji from, from Kansas. Um, solidify some things up front. They get a, a receiver, a running back, and a quarterback in round number seven. The receiver, Kalijah Lipscomb. They get another running back in uh, Kalijah Lipscomb from Vanderbilt, by the way. Uh, the running back, Joshua Kelly from UCLA. Get a backup quarterback, Cole McDonald out of Hawaii. Green Bay, if you go Denzel Mims, then in round two, you got to get a defensive end. I think they're thin there. You get uh, Marlon Davidson. If they don't go with Cole Komet, in round two, then I think you go round three, Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic, the John Mackey Award winner, 1,000-yard receiver at the tight end position with Lane Kiffin. Round number four, inside backer. I think you need to address the position. You did bring in Christian Kirksey to play with Oren Burks. Get Troy Troy Dye from Oregon. They need uh, to address the, the offensive line. Round number five, get Tremaine Ankrum out of Clemson. Uh, 6-2 tackle. He'll kick inside to guard. Get a slot corner like Graylin Arnold in round six. Olawoli Butiku, uh, the transfer to Illinois from USC. Pass rusher had nine sacks for the Illini. Get a safety as well, Legereus Sneed from Louisiana Tech. Um, round seven, Jonah Williams from Weber State. You know, another defensive end. And then I'm going to have, you know, pencil in a quarterback as a guy that could potentially be a backup there for Aaron Rodgers. Josh Love out of San Jose State. KC, the Chiefs. Jeff Gladney coming off the board round one. They they need a center and a guard. Um, so they go Matt Hennessy out of Temple in round two. Then John Simpson, uh, the guard out of Clemson. In round number four, defensive end Kareem, uh, Khalid Kareem, team with, uh, with Frank Clark. And then in round number five, they need some help at linebacker Michael Walker out of Fresno State. Indianapolis, no first-round pick. I think they trade back into round number one. I think they get Jordan Love. I think they get another speedster to take some pressure off of T.Y. Hilton at the receiver position. Round number two, Jalen Rager. Uh, I'm looking at uh, defensive tackle. They need some guys, you know, some beef up front. Get Devon Hamilton out of Ohio State, 6'4", 320 pounds. In round four, get a running back that you can team with Marlon Mack. I really like Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State. Uh, really explosive guy. Ran the second fastest 40 time at the Combine. Keep an eye out for him. Round five, Jared Pinckney from Vanderbilt. His stock has dropped. He was once known as the number one tight end. I think his draft stock falls. Indy getting an, uh, you know, potentially a steal there if he, he does fall to round number five and he plays up to his potential. Um, they get a pass rusher in DJ Wonham out of uh, out of South Carolina and another defensive tackle in Raquan Williams in round number six. Houston, the Texans, I, I think you know with no first round pick that they traded away, um, and they've got their receiver. I think they now address the offensive line. Lloyd Cushenberry, the center out of LSU, round three, get another pass rusher coming off the edge and Daryl Taylor out of Tennessee. Um, I think they do need to go receiver at some point. They get uh, the big wide receiver out of uh, South Carolina, Brian Edwards. 
They need another defensive end team with J.J. Watt uh, and Angelo Blackson. Lorel Murchison out of uh, NC State could be that guy. Then they go outside linebacker uh, Tipa Naliai out of Utah State. Nose tackle John Penasini and uh, corner Lavert Hill to round out things in round seven. The Bears, no first-round pick. Traded that away in the Khalil Mack trade. I think they go receiver, Chase Claypool, get a big physical receiver. They go tight end, Cole Komet, get some receivers there for Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, a quarterback. Round four, get a safety, J.R. Reed. Offensive tackle, J.R. Reed out of Georgia, by the way. Get an offensive tackle, Jack Driscoll from Auburn. Round six, get another quarterback to add to the mix, James Morgan out of Florida International. Linebacker Kamal Martin from Minnesota. Round seven, I think they go uh, DN, they go Rondell Carter. Um... Why does that name sound familiar? I think I already had Rundell Carter coming off the board. We're moving along like nobody's business. So let's see, who do I actually have there going to Chicago? I hate to slow things up. Looks like Joe Bocci, the, the inside linebacker. They do need to address the linebacker position. So Joe Bocci there in round number seven. Moving on to Pittsburgh. We have just three teams left. Pittsburgh, no first-round pick. I think they need to uh, to get a running back to team with uh, with James Conner. Get Cam Akers out of Florida State, a guy who I think could be a, a tremendous player at the next level. Round three, you got to replace Javon Hargrave up front. Get the nose tackle, uh, Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. Round four, pass rusher coming off the edge, uh, especially if Bud Dupree ends up leaving at some point. Get Anthony Jennings out of Alabama. Inside backer, they need to get some depth there. Uh, Danny, I'm sorry, David Woodward uh, out of Utah State, versatile player there. Get a safety in round number number six to team uh, with uh, Edmonds and, and company there at the safety position. How about Geno Stone out of Iowa? Round number seven, address that offensive line, get some depth there. Tyree uh, Phillips out of Mississippi State can play tackle and guard. The Rams traded away. Brandon Cooks, they don't have Todd Gurley. I think they addressed both of those positions. Brandon Ayuk could be a, a, a steal as a receiver in round two. Get Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a running back. Um, you know, Malcolm Brown and um, Daryl Henderson, not going to be the only answers there. They need a, a pass rusher coming off the edge. Get Josh Uche out of, uh, out of Michigan. Get another linebacker, potentially play inside, could play outside. Akeem Davis-Gaither out of uh, Appalachian State. Uh, offensive tackle, Sadiq Charles in round four, a guy that can eventually take over for um, Andrew Whitworth. Round number six, you got to address the kicker position at some point with Greg Zerline gone. How about Tyler Bass out of Georgia Southern? Uh, big leg kicker there and uh, very accurate as well. And then get another corner, you know, Parnell Motley from OU. I think he's got enough ball skills to end up being drafted there in round number seven. And then finally, Buffalo. No first round picks. They end up going with uh, a couple of edge rushers. I think Julian Aquara out of Notre Dame in round two. Bradley Anai from uh, Utah in round three. Get another big physical receiver for Josh Allen, Colin Johnson from Texas. Address the offensive line. Get a physical guy, guy that's going to throw people around a little bit. Get a guard like Logan Stenberg out of Kentucky in round five, round six. Tanner Muse, safety linebacker combo. Ran really well at the Combine. Um, but he's really stiff in coverage, so he's one of those hybrid type players. Uh, Tanner Muse, round number six there out of Clemson. 
round six, get another running back to team with Devin Singletary. They could go earlier with this pick, but if they sit there, they can get James Robinson out of Illinois State over 1,900 yards a season ago. And then finally, round number seven, get another safety to team with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, go with uh, Aloe Gilman out of Notre Dame. So those are all 32 picks, kind of the draft boards, what I see those picks going, and we'll, we're going to have a lot of fun over these next three days. We're going to really see where all what direction all these teams are going to go, and we're also going to learn you know, what their draft boards look like. Who did they value? What were they really thinking? Where were they going with? And that's really, I think, part of the fun of me studying the NFL draft and really looking at the history and, and really where guys project and trying to figure out exactly what all of that looks like. It's a puzzle piece, you know, and really, you know, and you put in all the work and you watch all the players and you really get a good feel for who could be a good fit for these teams. And you really want to see what these, uh, what these teams are looking for and uh, where everything plays out. So I'm going to really be looking forward to these next three days of the draft. And then we'll come back next week and do our post-draft edition. And really with that post-draft edition, we'll take a look at every team's draft picks. And we'll we'll talk about did they address um, some of the, the need areas. We'll take a look at, at my draft board, compare that with theirs. So we'll have a couple of episodes to break down each of those teams. We'll also take a look at some of the draft snubs. Who are the guys that ended up being undrafted free agents who could potentially have an impact? So we'll take a look at the top guys at the top of that list as well. So the draft is here. Enjoy this time. I know I'm going to... And uh, stick around after the draft. We'll go ahead and do all the po- the, the post-draft coverage as well. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I hope you are now ready for this draft. It is here. I've been your host, Greg Schutz, taking you on the journey from August to April. April 23rd is here, everyone. It's going to be a lot of fun. Take care. Enjoy the draft. Be safe. And we'll talk soon. I am out of here. Take care, everyone.